Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. WrestlingInc.com brings you Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on NJPW, AEW, ROH, PWG, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. I'm joined, as I am every week, by my co-host, Paul. I am here. I am ready to go for, uh, and speaking of ready to go, we'll have something kind of (laughs) funny along those lines coming up later in the show. Okay. (laughs) Well, (laughs) uh, we've got lots of wrestling. I like when I can throw a curveball at you and you don't know how to react. (laughs) We've got lots of wrestling talk for you guys this week including i'm really excited for you to hear our interview with colt cabana it was a decently long interview very uh i think very informative overall and we were lucky to get him because we were at starcast we didn't set anything up beforehand like a year ago we had seen colt i had given him my card and i had interviewed ian riccoboni around that same time so Colt had been aware, and we had tried to set something up, but just the timing never worked out. Finally, we saw him, and he's like, we're going to do this? I'm like, I guess so. <laughs> guess we'll do the interview now. It was a long interview, as my right shoulder can attest. Yes, it really was long. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. Colt was great. He was uh, actually very patient with us. Uh, as I forgot the little SD card that goes in the camera to record oh my it. God. Had to go all the way back to the front of Caesar's Palace. I had already checked my bag. Had to get the bag back out <laughs> i told colt cabana murder i'm gonna murder him <laughs> that's what i told yeah. colt while we were waiting i was like i'm so sorry but you know what the funniest part of all of it is it turns out i had an sd card in my book bag that was right there with me the whole time so sorry colt it was there it was there the whole time the sd card yeah, my my fat arse could use the, the exercise anyway so. whatever <laughs> so, that's fine anyway but uh I've got a friend in the TV business who always says those little SD cards are going to be the death of him. Yeah. <laughs> and that day it felt that way. It did feel that way. And we were rushing because we had a flight to catch later, like <laughs> like an hour after we did these interviews. But it all worked out, as you've seen and heard in the last few weeks. We've got, we got a lot of great content. Uh, everything we got, we got after Colt, so... You know, it worked out to be a good day. <laughs> yeah. So just to recap, if you guys want to go back and listen to the other interviews, Jimmy Havoc was last week. If you missed it, I really love that interview. And then the week before, we had Christopher Daniels and Brandon Cutler. So I'd really like you guys to check those out if you haven't already. Uh, a way you can do so is by going to Wrestling Inc.'s YouTube channel 
or going on any of Wrestling Inc.'s audio platforms. Just look for Winks Two-Faced with the date, and that's where you'll find it. And speaking of Wrestling Inc.'s listening platforms, uh, this past Sunday, Saturday morning, we uh, did a live Dominion post-show reaction, which uh, a lot of you guys joined us on, and glad you did. And so when we get around to Dominion here in a moment, uh, we're going to be a little more condensed, but if you want the full thorough experience uh go to our post show podcast yeah again on wrestling inc's youtube platform or on their audio platform same way you find our regular podcast that you're listening to right now so again i think we were pretty pretty thorough we're going to correct some things we said that we didn't know about right away that's to be expected it was flipping early in the morning (laughs) and i know we have so much wrestling to talk about every week and that's because the wrestling business basically never flipping sleeps and apparently we don't either because we're up now early again in the morning recording our podcast the day that it's supposed to be released so wrestling's always going and so are we talking about wrestling and dominion was a pretty good show but i gotta say watching it live was pretty hard And that's a perfect segue, or an uncomfortable segue, to our announcement of our new sponsor, BlueChew.com. So we'll tell you more about that specifically later. I just want to let you guys know there is a promo code associated with us. So if you love us, you want to support our podcast, it's really important that you use our promo code. Go to BlueChew.com. The promo code is my name, Kelsey. So just spell K-E-L-S-I. It's a weird spelling, but that way you guys will remember it. Again, BlueChew.com, promo code Kelsey, K-E-L-S-I, and we'll tell you more about that later in the middle of the show. Very excited to have them on board. No pun intended there either. Jeez, I'm a pizza. Gosh, jeez. All right, we'll talk more about that later. Now let's get to the wrestling. We're really happy that they are sponsoring us, and we feel really fortunate. So Dominion, uh, we kind of talked about it on the podcast. I thought by New Japan standards, it was a B or a B-plus type show. I agree If it it was a WWE show, you know, we would have been like, oh, this was an AA-plus show. But I think we've kind of set such a high standard with New Japan that they're... There was nothing. There was nothing that wasn't good in the show. It, it's just there were only a couple of matches that were spectacular. Yeah, and I'm used to like jam-packed, really awesome, fun, perfectly done Dominions. And a lot of people are kind of raving about Dominion, saying it was great, especially because there was a lot of first-time viewers. So if you're a first-time viewer, you're going from watching like normal WWE type of wrestling to New Japan wrestling. It's quite the shock in a good way. You're like, whoa, what is this stuff? It's amazing. And I totally agree and see that. But in terms of New Japan standards, as you just referenced, to me, it wasn't my favorite Dominion. I would have to agree with you on the B+. I'm going with the same grade overall. And I would like to point out, in our live post-show review, we were talking about Hideo Itami, who's also known as Kenta. We were talking about his t-shirt that said TakeOver, thinking that it could be possibly a jab at NXT. Like, oh, that's kind of funny. I'm still thinking it's a funny coincidence, even though it was a tag, it was a team uh, that he had with Shibata, in Noah. Yes, yeah. in Noah, but Which, before he joined NXT, that's the point. So it wasn't anything to do with NXT, but I still think it's a funny yeah. happenstance. Yeah, it's a I funny still think co- it's I yeah. think it's still a coincidence because he was out there with Shibata, so of course he was wearing the takeover shirt, but also he just left from NXT, so that's kind of <laughs> like a double entendre kinda. I, I, if he didn't mean it, I still think it it it's pretty funny regardless, but uh to me it, it 
it was perfect regardless. Double <laughs> so, entendre. I don't even know if that works. Whatever. Yes. We're going to go with it, all right? <laughs> uh, so he came out. He also declared uh, that he wants to be in G1. Yeah, which is a huge deal. Also, someone who announced he wants to be in G1, John Moxley. Mm-hmm. I think the Dallas G1 show is shaped up to be pretty damn cool. I think we can expect probably John Moxley there since he has the U.S. belt and everything. It's the first night of the G1. It would bring a lot of eyes to New Japan Pro Wrestling. They'd be silly not to have him on that show. And yeah, uh, yeah. Kenta, that'd be really great for us if we get to see him there. But, you know, it's not announced yet exactly everybody who's going to be there on that first night where we're going to be there live. But the whole tournament in general is going to be insane. It just keeps getting better every year. Yeah, Shingo also declaring uh, on Dominion that he wants to... Uh, be a part of the G1, but let's circle back to Moxley, his second match, his first one after beating Juice for the title, uh, goes against one of the Young Lions, and, you know, Shota has impressed us in the past, and uh, he did well, but, you know, Moxley did what he was supposed to do, kind of, you know, kick ass. <laughs> yeah, but my one big complaint is that it should have been longer. Yeah. It should have been way longer. If you have Shota going toe-to-toe with Tanahashi, just a few months ago in the New Japan Cup tournament, I believe it was. If you have that going on, and I loved that match. That was one of my favorite matches of the whole tournament. So you have him going a decent amount of length with your ace of New Japan Pro Wrestling, yet John Moxley kind of squashes him pretty quickly. Then I think that's kind of a very strange difference in match length that doesn't add up story-wise. And I know Moxley is like supposed to be on fire right now. He's supposed to like kind of beat a young lion pretty quickly but if the ace didn't then it would make sense for the match to be a little longer and it would have helped shoda a a little bit more his his uh place in the card except it really doesn't matter because he got a lot of eyes on him he's been really praised highly by everyone who's seen what he can do and regardless of the length of the match you know people were discovering shoda who didn't know about him before just because of all the eyeballs that moxley brought so overall it really i guess Going back on my original statement, it didn't really matter for Shota if it was short. It didn't really hurt him too much since he still got those eyes either way. Uh, we're not going to, again, go through the whole show. Uh, Ishii takes the Never Open Way title. Uh, Kevin Kelly said during the match uh, that the title has changed hands seven times since last Dominion. Then later in the show, he said eight times, so might have given away the ending a little bit there. But uh, I thought that was a good match. Taichi, not one of our favorites, but... Uh, he, he can d- deliver uh, when seemingly properly motivated. He can and has been delivering, actually. So uh, props to Tai Chi, I guess. But I'm really super excited that Ishii won, of course. Yes, that's my boy, Stone Pitbull. Uh, that was one of the title changes. Then uh, later, Osprey and Dragon Lee uh, for the junior heavyweight title. This was the match of the show. That was my match of the night for me. What about you? Oh, absolutely. No doubt. Uh, yeah. I mean... I loved it. And, you know, there was matches that followed, like, Naito, Abushi, and I know you liked that match, but but to me, I think the Osprey Dragon League was just perfectly done. There wasn't any scary over-the-top spots. Uh, there were just good spots and well-executed, too. You've got two of the best high flyers in the world going... Uh, going at each other, giving each other their best, and it was awesome. So, to me, I really didn't think that Osprey was going to exceed his recent match at the finals with Shingo, but somehow he matched the quality of that match and exceeded it, in my opinion. Although I really can't really pick a ultimate favorite out of the two matches. I really like them both quite a bit. Yeah, uh, and look, uh, I could watch a Dragon Lee match just to watch 
knowing he's going to do that insane suicide dive that he gets so much velocity coming through those ropes. But this one in particular, where he had Osprey set up on the railing and comes through and, you know, you noticed during the kind of red shoes gave him a little assist to, as he leaned on the ropes kind of subtly. But that, you know, Dragon Lee launched himself basically into the announcers, into the crowd. There were people sprawled everywhere. But I love Dragon Lee's suicide dives. And when he goes through the ropes at that high velocity, it is awesome to see. Yeah, like Red Shoes was kind of holding open the ropes as we talked about on our full-length Dominion Mm -hmm. review. It was really neat and something really subtle I think not a lot of people saw. Uh, Osprey was on the outside of the ring. Red Shoes sticks his whole body through the top and second rope acting like he's checking on Osprey as Dragon Lee gets ready to dive outside of the ring. So as they do the replay, you can see that Red Shoes is basically kind of pushing his upper body up to hold the top rope up and pushing his hands down to hold the middle rope down, thus making it easier for Dragon Lee to go through the ropes, which I really liked because I was like, oh, this is kind of kind of cool that he's he's helping him out there. Because this is a scary spot, as you alluded to. Uh, an impressive, but scary, nonetheless. I always kind of clinch my teeth like come on make it make it that was one of the moments of the match and then for me the other one was uh when dragon lee j- does the hurricane rana off the apron oh my god on yeah. will osprey and osprey lands on his feet and it was just perfectly framed with the camera in that uh, kevin kelly and don Callis are right over will osprey's shoulder when he lands and and the free- facial reaction of kevin kelly like just pure shock it was just it was well done it was well done and they've gotten really good with capturing you know osprey and his opponent's facials like if you remember that awesome uh framing of the abushi match mm-hmm. where abushi like looks like over his shoulder and he's like oh <laughs> oh sh-, you know <laughs> yeah. like oh crap <laughs> so i think they've really gotten good at that because that's happened in multiple Osprey matches where mm-hmm. they just have an amazing facial reaction from Osprey or the opponent. So props to New Japan's crew. Sometimes they mess up, but mm-hmm. they were on point there. And Naito and Ibushi, you know, we I kind of referenced it a minute ago. I did not like the spot on the apron. I thought it was dangerous, reckless. Yeah. Basically, you know, Naito going for a suplex onto the apron. Ibushi's head, like the side of his head catches the apron and on the replay it looks nasty it looks disturbing and it looks just uncomfortable to watch so to me i thought i don't like wrestling like that it's like somebody could die like that well i i said it on the podcast and it's not a shot at naito it just seems sometimes he appears i'm not saying he is i'm saying he appears and that's a big distinction a little reckless, and I think maybe that's because of his general attitude, where he doesn't care about things. His match, but, you know, with Jericho kind of seemed reckless. Yeah. I mean, from the type of style of match it was, so it's easy to kind of judge him as that. And I can see what you mean, but just like I said in our full length review, I can't think of a good defense to combat that. <laughs> like well, I don't know. Again, appears to be reckless. I'm not saying he's not taking care of the other wrestlers. Yeah, but, but it. Uh, it, it, it can be scary to watch at times, uh, some of the stuff that he does. But he's also, I mean, both these guys are two of my favorites to watch. So uh, that was a fun match. And then uh, and Naito, of course, ended up winning, uh, which I think sets the stage for uh, Ibushi to go on and win the G1 and then go on to main event Wrestle Kingdom. That's the way, <sighs> that's the way I, I think things are going to happen. And by the way, yeah, that little groan. Make sure you check out the uh, live podcast because uh, 
Kelsey goes full on heel in her uh, disdain. Is that too strong for a It's not too strong. <laughs> That's so mean. Oh, no. Uh, I'm going to get so much hate. I don't like Abushi, guys. I'm yeah. sorry. He doesn't entertain me that much. I mean, there's wrestlers who are just as good as him. I know his wrestling is fantastic, but there are wrestlers who can do basically everything he does, yet they're more charismatic, in my opinion. However, my good friend Aaron actually took the opposite opinion. He said he thought Abushi had more charisma and was better at selling, because I also criticized Abushi's selling, and I said Osprey's selling is better. Aaron said that he doesn't like Osprey's selling at all. He doesn't think he sells at all. Yeah, which I think is crazy, because I, I think, if anything... People criticize Will Ospreay for overselling. I mean, yeah, I think if you're going to criticize Ospreay at all, it could be that he just goes over the top with his selling, <coughs> screaming and just going insane. I like that, though. I think he walks a fine line between being corny and over the top and being perfect with his selling. And uh, to me, it's on the right side of the line. I like it. I like the selling a lot. So I understand Aaron's opinion, but I don't agree at all. And I'm also not in agreement with most of you guys listening, I'm sure, who are Abushi fans. I am not so on the podcast Boo! he booed me just like <laughs> just like just now gosh darn you well, you know you're gonna be a heel you're gonna get booed well i guess it's better than no reaction and that's what we also said on the full-length review but again let's uh quickly wrap up our dominion discussion and move on to the main event that everybody was talking about, Jericho versus Okada. I knew going in it would be a clash of styles, and uh, I'll address this right off the bat. I think one of the best reasons to talk about Dominion again after our full-length review is that we've had more time to process and digest. People were messaging me all throughout the morning of Dominion, hours after it was over, saying, basically responding because I had tweeted out, I didn't like the finish. I didn't like the roll-up finish. People were like, you know, that is a direct homage and a mirror of the finish of the two out of three falls match between Okada and Omega, in which the first fall was a roll-up. I would have never remembered that. And I've seen that match multiple times, actually. I would have never remembered that watching at 5 a.m. live. <laughs> Unless I would have gone and rewatched that recently right before. I, it's been months since I rewatched that match. And regardless of it being a mirrored, like, kind of finish, a nod to that match, storytelling-wise, yeah, that's cool. I still didn't like the roll-up finish. I'm just not a big fan of roll-ups. Someone in our live chat said, it is a wrestling move. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know what a roll-up is, and I know that it's a wrestling move. Doesn't mean that I like it, though. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Uh, yes, we didn't pick up on the uh the the tip of the hat to a previous match that doesn't mean we have to uh like it either i mean a headlock's a wrestling move do we do we want to sit sit and watch that for 20 minutes <laughs> not unless you went to the live nxt show in new orleans where everyone started chanting headlock city so they used the headlock to finish the match they changed the course of the match because everyone in the audience this was years ago uh, before I even knew you, actually, uh, people were chanting, oh, Headlock City, Headlock City. I, I don't know why, but it got so over. They basically kept doing it in the match. So, yes, I don't really like the headlock, except when I went to that NXT show and everyone was marking out for the headlock. Yeah. Well, I can't even remember who was in the match, to, to be honest with you. Well, regardless, again, we everybody's allowed their opinion, uh, but I'm just not a big fan of big matches, you know, ending in a roll-up. Me, me neither, but I guess for the type of match it was, it wasn't completely out of place since it was a brawl mixed with a wrestling match. And that's why um, I'm kind of harsh on the match itself because I feel like 
their styles just clash so heavily. And that brings me to my next concern. So after the roll-up finish, Jericho freaks out, starts beating people up, starts beating Okada up, uh, starts throwing a fit, essentially. Tanahashi's on commentary, jumps over, saves Okada by trying to defend him against Jericho. And so it seems that we could get a future Jericho versus Tanahashi. I also think that would be a huge clash of styles, but people seem to be excited about the prospect. I mean, it could easily be a Wrestle Kingdom level match. Yeah, two legends going at it at yeah. Wrestle Kingdom. It would be great. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. And it's funny because I thought of Tanahashi saving Okada, and I think it was last summer. The, it seemed like Tanahashi and Okada were really hitting it off that I almost thought maybe they might be a tag team together. Remember that? Yeah, for a while, especially if Okada wasn't going to go back right. to being the IWGP right. heavyweight champion. Of course, now, the way it's unfolded, he's champ again, so it wouldn't make sense for him to be in the depths of tag team <laughs> right. wrestling. But it would have been cool if they were actually legit tag team champions together. I would have liked to have seen that for sure. It would have been interesting. And they have really good chemistry. They really do. They're great rivals, and they're great friends. So either way, I love Okada and Tanahashi, whether they're working against each other or with each other. And uh, I'm excited about the post-match beatdown, but I just don't know. I mean, if you guys recall, Tanahashi and Omega, the build-up to their match together, Tanahashi essentially saying, you know, I don't, I don't like all your working outside of the ring. I don't like your inclusions of tables. And the whole big tease of the match was, was Tanahashi going to succumb to using the table against Omega? Right. Um, And I think that was really well done. It was a, such a big part of the match, and I think story-wise it was great. But how is that going to work with his match with Jericho? Because Jericho's been kind of you know, fond of using outside elements in his matches. He's been fond of using the bell, like taking a camera and, you know, screwing around on the outside of the ring. He's been fond of using tables in Japan since he's been there. So how's that going to work with Tanahashi, who traditionally doesn't like to do those types of spots in his matches? I don't know. Well, now the uh, focus is G1 looking ahead in New Japan uh, with uh, Best of Super Juniors in the rearview mirror. And uh, during that Best of Super Juniors tournament, we heard Kevin Kelly continuously uh, reference an El Phantasmo match against David Starr from Rev Pro, and we finally got a chance to go back and watch that. In fact, we went back and watched a couple of uh, matches involving people from Best of Super Juniors, but we're going to start with the uh, David Starr ELP match. Uh, I, I got to say, I was tremendously kind of let down by this match. Me so too. Kevin Kelly kind of hyped it up so much, I thought... I guess I thought this was going to be some epic, you-can't-miss match. Yeah. And it was good, but... It wasn't spectacular. So you just referenced the tournament and how we watched these extra matches with people in the tournament. Of course, we're referring to in this match, in this case, ELP. Mm -hmm. He he was in the tournament, and all throughout the tournament, that's when Kevin Kelly and everybody on commentary was putting that match over Mm -hmm. with David Starr. You gotta see the epic ladder match, brutal, you know, it was awesome. And uh, like like you said, I was a little let down. (laughs) I mean, David Starr's selling, I didn't like in this match. And I like David Starr. I mean, I've got David Starr t-shirts. I just didn't think his selling was on point. Yeah, I, I, I just kind of felt like it, the match was, while there were some great spots, it was kind of sloppy. I thought the best part of the match was when uh, Starr and the referee uh, Chris Roberts, I, th- I can't remember what his first name is, Chris, I think, I think uh, so. got into it. Uh, <coughs> they obviously had a history. And uh, Roberts flips off Star and push him, pushes him off the ladder onto the tacks, or as they call them in England, drawing pins. But yeah. uh, that, to me, that was one of the best spots of the match. But and 
look, it started strong uh, with the, I, I thought the video package going into it was I, great. I love the video package. I thought it was well done, had a great story. These guys have a great history, a long history. So to me, like they had all the ingredients, but the recipe didn't add up. Yeah. And it didn't measure up to the hype around <laughs> it either. But of course, it was for the undisputed British Cruiserweight Championship, and ELP did win it in the end. Um, I liked it, some parts of it. I just, I just didn't like it as much as I thought. I love the El Phantasmo moonsault into the crowd off the top rope uh, when he kind of pulls the railing closer so that he can go over the top. I, that was one of my favorite parts. Like I said, I, I. Uh, I liked the uh, Chris Roberts flip off, but I also like uh, like David Starr pile driving ELP through the table off the apron. That was one of the craziest spots of the match. As yeah, well. that was one of the parts I liked too. Of course, you know David Starr usually has this epic intro. That's why I really love David Starr, <laughs> and I actually spoofed the intro once and like made an intro for myself in the kind of same style as David Starr. I got to find that again because I'll. I'll probably re-say it one day if yeah. I find it because I think it was really, really creative and clever, and I I liked doing it. I think you guys would get a kick out of it. You can reshare it on your super kicking it. Yeah, I could, but also you know there was no intro in this. He just kind of <laughs> came down to the ring and got to business, which makes sense in a ladder match. But me, I was a little bit disappointed because I was like, I want to hear the David Starr intro that I love so much, but it didn't fit. So it was the right decision to not use it because really it's more about. Getting the business. And, well, the other thing that was a disappointment to me, and not a big disappointment, but kind of dopey, is at the end of the match, David starts trying to show the camera as he's pulling the drawing pins uh, out of his arm, and they kept cutting away from it. And he's purposely making a point of trying to show the camera as he's pulling them out. Yeah. And they, they kept cutting away. I'm like, what are they doing? I don't know. I don't know what they were doing with that. That was kind of odd. But for all the hype, I just didn't think it measured up. Another match we watched recently was from Over the Top Wrestling. It was a match between Will Ospreay when he was the junior heavyweight champion before. Yes. Uh, against Matt Riddle, who we just saw have a great match against uh, Roderick Strong at NXT TakeOver 25. So this was a match we wanted to go back and watch, and it was fantastic. Two of my top tens in the same match. <laughs> I was like, I must watch this. <laughs> so um, I actually have been following Over the Top Wrestling for a while. Uh, not intensively, but I had, you know, liked them on Facebook, but I had never really truly checked out a match, you know, full bore. So finally, this match is for free on their YouTube channel, so I would recommend checking Absolutely. it out. Because I honestly really, 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 really loved it. Because again, these guys are in my top 10 wrestler lists, and together they just have insane chemistry. Of course, you've got like the same classic moves they always pull out so, so so nothing new or crazy in the match but it was it was weird to hear Matt Riddle's old theme music actually because yeah. I'm so used to his NXT music now right. uh, still of course people did chant bro and also they had some songs I couldn't make out the songs but the great thing about overseas wrestling it's not just England it's like the over the seas uh, crowds and audience members they always are really really clever with their chants they make up little songs they're really into the show I don't know. I just love, I love those types of audiences. And American audiences aren't as as cool, in my opinion. And if you're not familiar, over the top wrestling is in uh, Dublin, Ireland. Yeah, and I wish we knew that when we went to Dublin, but I'm sure they wouldn't have had a show. So no, that would have been quite the coincidence. God, that would have been awesome. <laughs> um, so Osprey runs in and jumps onto Riddle sitting in, in an audience chair. I loved that because, it, like, it was just really well done. Uh, you guys got to watch that spot. I liked it a lot. Um, 
Riddle catches Osprey out of a springboard, um, puts him into a suplex. Uh, Riddle kicks out of uh, Osprey's moves multiple times. I don't even know what I was trying to write here. <laughs> Riddle kicks out. Oh, Riddle kicks Osprey's back. He doesn't kick out. Riddle <laughs> kicks Osprey's back. Multiple suplexes by Riddle, um, and they look really good. He held on to Osprey as he comes down, and he gets back up. And Osprey really wasn't helping him much. Uh, wasn't really taking any of his weight off. Right. So basically, Riddle is essentially deadlifting Osprey. Using that great strength of his. Yeah, Riddle seems small and skinny, but honestly, he's really, really strong. And that's one of the things I love about Riddle. People think of him as a jokester, as like a funny character. People forget that he did wrestle before NXT, and he's really, really good, and I think he's really seasoned. I was hearing people calling him green, uh in comments on Twitter after the NXT match saying like, you know, uh, you know, Riddle did good with his match against Roderick, but still a little green. Yeah. Still not my favorite character. Like you guys do realize he's been wrestling for like years, right? <laughs> right. He's not just some guy who's popped up in NXT. I he's just... got, he's got an epic match as we've referenced in the past on, in, on, in PWG against Keith Lee, which is one of the most oh, entertaining yeah. matches I've ever seen. And he had a great tag team where he tagged with Jeff Cobb. Yeah. The chosen king of bros. So they have a wonderful chemistry, and they had a match against Dijak and Keith Lee. Chosen bros. Chosen bros. Yeah. Anyway, I was wrong. But uh, the, the the tag team, I'm right about this. They're amazing. It's just been a while since I watched one of their matches, since they've been disbanded for a while. Both guys doing well, though, outside of, you know, their tag team together. Uh, it's been months, but both guys doing very well. Jeff Cobb. Super over, no matter where he is, especially in Ring of Honor right now. And Matt Riddle getting there in NXT, getting his props, getting his dues. But to get back <clears throat> to the match with Osprey, wonderful one-man Spanish fly. Oh, it looks so good. They were both kicking each other in the face, and I thought that was a really neat part of the match. They looked spent, just kicking, kicking, back and forth, kicking. Uh, Riddle caught Osprey out of, like, the midair, out of his Oz Cutter attempt with a rear naked choke. And this was done so smooth oh, yeah. that, and so awesome. Like that, that was the best move of the match, I it, thought. The transition <laughs> was just flawless, yeah. honestly. Um, Riddle does a jumping, a jumping tombstone onto Osprey. Flipping awesome as well. Two sentons by Riddle onto Osprey. So, again, Riddle's kind of pretty dominant in this match overall. Uh, Osprey crawls under the ring and everyone's like what is he doing i don't know I, I still don't know what he really did i can't remember osprey counters out of riddle's tombstone attempt again into a cross face which i thought it was funny osprey using a cross face mm-hmm. um then finally what ended the match stormbreaker we saw that move that move was relatively new at the time right right stormbreaker That's... under riddle for the win yeah in fact i mean i don't know this for sure i i wonder if he t- he started using the stormbreaker before you know, there or somewhere near there before he even brought it to New Japan. I'm not sure. But. I, I'm not really sure. I think he I think he used Stormbreaker before he won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And so he had that title in this match. So I think he used it before yeah, this maybe. match. Uh, either way, great respect by the two after the match as they hugged. So uh, if you get a chance to check it out, it's on Over the Top Wrestling's YouTube channel. Uh, really solid match and uh, fun to watch two of our favorites. Uh, finally, here in the uh, first segment, we're going to talk a little WWE. Uh, Super Showdown was Friday. Admittedly, we decided we weren't going to watch. Uh, I, I figured I'd wait and hear what people said and maybe go back and watch a match or two. But I just, you know, I'm, I'm not excited about these, these shows in Saudi Arabia. I did watch the first one in, in its entirety uh, last year, but 
Uh, this one, I just between the politics of it, I guess, or the or the or the optics, I guess, is the best way to put it. I, it's hard for me to to uh, embrace these shows, and I thought, you know, I, I took a couple pictures of the TV when they did wide shots on the pyro. There were significant amounts of of empty seats, so. Um, I don't know how excited the Saudi crowd still are about this either, and especially the the pushing it as a WrestleMania caliber show when it clearly was not. Uh, I mean, none of the matches were spectacular, but I decided to watch two matches. I decided I wanted to watch Triple H versus Randy Orton. That's the one match I wish I would have watched. And it was good, but not nearly as good as any of their previous matches in their long history, I didn't think. A uh, couple, couple good moments in the match but for the most part you know i even wrote it down decent match but not spectacular but the one that everybody's talking about is uh goldberg and undertaker and i i got to admit as much of the backlash there was on twitter i really expected it to be worse yeah you know and it was bad it was bad. I mean, falling all over near the end of the match. But but I give Goldberg credit. You know, he he gets he gets his bell rung. He's not quite into the match, and he still he still tried. And it's really on WWE if they thought he was hurt to have stopped the match. Uh, but they did not do that. And I actually give Goldberg credit for trying to carry Undertaker because it was kind of hard to watch Undertaker. There's one point where he's he's going across the ring to do a splash, and watching him run was. Hard to watch. Well, you know, um, Undertaker actually looked really mad at the end of the match, you know, because, you know, Goldberg couldn't lift him up. So it's funny that you're actually more praiseful of Goldberg when Undertaker seemed to be super annoyed with him. Yeah. I mean, I, I think everybody everybody knows that it wasn't good. And it leads me to believe, you know, for these Saudi shows in particular, they keep trotting out, you know, HBK and Kane and all you know, are they just more interested in seeing the legends and hearing their entrances, or do they want good wrestling? Uh, because this was not a good wrestling match. It was it was hard to watch. I mean, look, I, I know Goldberg's supposed to help at the end, but the chokeslam, Undertaker literally gets Goldberg like five inches off of his feet off the mat. I mean, it was just, it was hard to watch. Yeah, and you know, this is what happens when you rely so heavily on legends for specific things, like... For these Saudi shows, they keep relying on the legends, and you're not going to get great wrestling quality because these guys are older now, their bodies are beaten up. It's not their fault. Right. It just is what it is. And another thing is, are they hurting their legacy? Are these guys soiling their legacy? Now, you can't take anything that they've done in the past away, but what I think they are hurting is the perfect ending opportunity that they had. Moments that are just thrown away now that don't mean anything. Certainly, I mean, for Goldberg, which I'm sure Goldberg <laughs> probably didn't even think he was going to wrestle again. But he got the payday here for this. But he had such a uh, an entertaining last match with Brock Lesnar at uh, WrestleMania in Orlando, and that would have been that would have been a fine way to go out. And you know, now this is going to be unless he comes back and wrestles at some other point. This is going to be his last match, and it's not nearly the caliber of his match against Brock Lesnar. And then the other part of it, whether it was these older guys or just in general. You know, just in the time I was watching, they kept referencing the heat and how, how taxing that was. And that's the other thing about having a show in Saudi Arabia. It's a little hot in the desert. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, I bet. I mean, I don't know for sure, but we've been to a desert, just not the, not that desert. Um, so I, I, uh, 
I don't know. Again, I, I, they, I get why WWE is taking the money and going to Saudi Arabia, but these shows just aren't that appealing to me. But then again, shifting gears a little bit, the WWE product has not been a. That great to me either. <laughs> me neither. And uh, before we move on to Raw and SmackDown, I do want to say, so I looked it up. Super King of Bros is Matt Riddle himself. Duh. Why couldn't I remember <laughs> that? Uh, but I just was mixing up the names <laughs> of his tag team and his his nickname. So yeah, Chosen Bros was yeah. Riddle. But Still yeah, WWE related. So. Yeah, but he's the King of Bros, of course. Yes. <laughs> uh, so Lesnar didn't cash in at uh, Super Showdown. And then Heyman says uh, at the beginning of Raw, we're not telling you when Brock will cash in. Well, duh, that's what the that's what the money in the bank cash in is supposed to be. That's why this whole thing of Brock Lesnar's got to cash it in tonight. What? Well, that's why everyone <laughs> hated that, they, that he was going to try to announce who he was going right. to cash in on and when. I think that was stupid to begin with. So, yeah, thank goodness they announced that they won't announce because they shouldn't announce. That's how it should be. I really only have... One main thing to say about Raw or SmackDown, I can't wait to get to it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if this is going to be it. Since we N- didn't No, you know it. what it's going to be it from last night. The t-shirt. We'll talk about it later. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. Uh, you that's were my big excited. thing I'm very excited well, to talk about. Both Raw and SmackDown, again, prominently featuring Shane McMahon. Again, I like Shane. I like the stuff he's done. You've got active talent on the roster you're not using. And on Raw, you could clearly hear the crowd chanting boring while he was on the mic. And then they forced, on SmackDown, a segment of 17 minutes from the beginning to when we actually had wrestling on SmackDown. Just, I mean, I I have said this to multiple people. We've, We've been having discussion about WWE. If I'm Fox and I paid all this money for SmackDown... And I see the product that's out there right now and knowing that AEW is about to go on TV themselves. I don't know how happy I am. And I think if I'm Fox, I'm telling Vince, you you guys need to step your game up. We're giving you guys a lot of money. We're expecting a spectacular product. Well, the ratings are good in terms of, you know, most other TV programs, well, so I'm sure Fox yeah. is pleased. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. But in terms of WWE history, the ratings are pretty darn low yeah. these last few months. Some of the lowest they've ever been. But again, all of TV is like that, so it's really hard yeah. to gauge uh, if Fox is happy or not. Because or like, to me, I mean, I guess I would have been happy if I'm getting a program that has some of the highest ratings compared to other shows. Yeah. Even if it's the lowest ratings for the history of that one company. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it's it's hard to say. It yeah. really is. But uh, but Shane, I'm over it. I, I'm over <laughs> it. Why are you over relying again on older talent? Why are you over relying on the whole oh you know, well, authority stuff? Well, and then there's just the the gimmicks like, you know, having Sami Zayn as a second referee on Raw uh, during the match between KO and Seth. Which, by the way, Sami Zayn totally looks like he could just be a referee. Yeah. <laughs> he, looked, he looked the part. Uh, but you got KO and Seth. Just let them have a great wrestling match. You got two of the best guys in the business in there. And you got to relate or rely on, on this gimmick, which was fine. And the match was fine. But it's just like you got Seth and KO, great personalities. I mean, KO, the one point where Seth gets cut open and, and KO leans over him and is like, Seth, are you okay? Just really mocking him. Yeah. I mean, just KO is awesome. And you don't have to rely on the gimmicks. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And 
I don't know, WWE is all about gimmicks these days, so I don't know. Firefly Funhouse is something that I think is good every week, yes. so that's one of the things to look forward to. I just think overall, I'm really not bummed when I miss Raw or SmackDown. <laughs> I know you have to see every second for some reason. I really don't understand. The other day... What do you mean? You, I watched the condensed version of Raw. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the other day, like, you paused some stupid, like, two-second sequence in a match and rewound it because I said something out loud to you. Oh, I must have rewatched this se- sequence. It was ridiculous. But I think you can miss some and we still be okay. We rewatch sequences of everything, you know? That's Whatever. A- Whatever. Well, anyway, my whole point is, uh, I'm getting to, is that actually I've seen a lot of positive praise for Raw and SmackDown this week. I didn't watch, so I can't really say. But, uh, Paul, what do you think? I mean, it was okay. It was, <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't say I saw anything that was worthy of praise. Again, especially since we're getting Shane McMahon shoved down our throats on both shows now. Yeah, I think that's a little <laughs> heavy. I, I, I just think it's over the top. I don't know why. I don't know why it's happening. I don't either. But let's get to SmackDown so I can talk about my favorite <laughs> well, thing. Well, let's just go ahead and get to it. Uh, probably, I would guess, a reference that most people probably didn't catch. 99.9% <laughs> of people. But, but you marked out because they're your favorite band. They're one of your favorites. They're pretty high up there. I mean, I, I consider a band a favorite if I know more than, like, five songs. <laughs> really more than three songs. There's not a lot of bands I know more than three songs for. It's a very low bar. Well, I know, like... 40 songs of theirs. So to me, and I like them all. So to me, that's why they're one of my favorite bands. So Eric Rowan was wearing a Ailstorm shirt. And if you guys don't know what Ailstorm is, and that's Ailstorm with an A, not with an H. It's Ailstorm. Like, like you know, drink. Yes. Alcohol. Anyway, Ailstorm, it's pirate heavy metal, and it's flipping awesome. If you guys want to check out some of their music, Drink is a great song, I think. Shipwrecked. God, there's so many. Surf Squid Warfare is a personal favorite. And the album he was wearing, it was it was basically an album cover that he was wearing on his shirt. And the album that he was wearing is like one of my favorite albums by them. It has that song Surf Squid Warfare on it. So that's my favorite of that CD. So Well, what I want to picture now is you and Eric Rowan side by side <laughs> at an Ailstorm show bouncing around. That like, would be pretty great. Like Gosh. the little mosh pit area. And yes. You, and you run into Eric Rowan. I think that would be I love fantastic. being in the mosh pit area. Yeah, I'd like to see you running into Eric Rowan. First of all, you'd come up to like his hip. <laughs> I would. That would be, Maybe he would help protect me because I'm so small. That's maybe. what people do. That's why I always go in the, like, the mosh area or like the very front of the stage. Even if people start going crazy and hitting each other, I usually get protected because of my size being so small. So I never fear the, the front. Yeah. And actually, I was lucky because Ailstorm really doesn't tour like in the south anymore like as far as i know they keep touring europe and other countries and stuff it's like very frustrating as a fan of ailstorm but i was lucky enough to like within two months of discovering them they came to new orleans and i saw them at this really small bar not very well known bar at all and it was packed to the gills i dressed like a pirate i had a fake hook on i had an eye patch it was flipping awesome i was in the front uh the the singer and i he like did a fake hook with his hand with his finger and i had a real hook and we hooked hooks it was awesome and uh it was just a lot of fun i knew like almost every song and that's when i can really enjoy a concert is when like i'm into the band and i know the music and pirate heavy metal if you guys want to check it out it's worth it i'm telling you it's great you're gonna love it 
people just heard that on the surface and heard you talking about hooking and hooking with him. No, like hook, like like pirate hooks. They would have thought there was another meeting. There was not. That uh, would involve blue juice. Oh my gosh, no. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, we just hooked hooks. Like like real pirate hooks. Because I was wearing a pirate hook. I know what you mean. I'm just saying it could have a whole... Okay, whatever. Whatever. (laughs) Let's not get into that right now. But again, if you want to go to bluechew.com, which you should go to, and use our promo code KELSI, K-E-L-S-I, please do so. You'll get a free sample of the product, and all you have to do is pay $5 shipping. Again, we'll talk more about that in our commercial break, but it would really help us out if you use the promo code KELSI, K-E-L-S-I, bluechew.com. Yes, Yes, please do. And uh, that commercial and more content coming up, including interview with Colt Cabana. That's uh, when we return on Two-Face Wrestling Talk. Hey guys, want to increase your performance and get that extra confidence? Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. B-L-U-E. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. (laughs) (laughs) Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all... No awkwardness except for this right here. Yeah, I know. This is pretty awkward. (laughs) Whatever. Go ahead. Uh, They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. Get your first shipment free when you use our promo code, Kelsey. That's my name. (laughs) K-E-L-S-I. That's how it's spelled. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code K-E-L-S-I to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And gosh, it means so much to us that they're sponsoring the podcast. So please your lady and please us by going to (laughs) bluechew.com. Our Two-Faced Wrestling Talk logo was inspired by Two-Face, the Batman animated series character, and his coin. The logo was designed by the talented and creative artist Eric Hudson. Eric creates wrestling-themed pieces as well as other pop culture art. He is also currently working on a Roddy Piper comic book. You can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dreaded Dinosaur. You can also support his work by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash dreaded dinosaur. Please check out his work. And now back to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. You know, we were talking about SmackDown right before the break and right right before our uh, awkward promo. (laughs) It was actually funny. It was kind of funny. That was good. Uh, Big E did make his uh, return on SmackDown, and I thought it looked like he had dropped some weight and uh, looked a little more svelte, and uh, you actually didn't like that. I didn't because I'm like, how can you be Big E if you're not big? (laughs) Isn't the whole point of being called Big E that you're big? I don't know. He's still big, though, I guess. Now, good technically. To, good to see him back in the New Day back together. Uh, speaking of good to see, always good to see Colt Cabana on the broadcast, whether uh, he's filled in on New Japan and, of course, with Ian on Ring of Honor. And he is one of our favorite personalities in wrestling. Uh, he's he's had a, a great partnership with Pro Wrestling Tees. And so he uh, has really kind of built up his product and uh in this extended interview you're going to hear a lot of stuff like that 
how he helped influence the Young Bucks on that front, and much more. What what else did you want to talk to him about on this interview you waited forever to actually do? God, I had so many things. I wanted to talk to him about his podcast. As a podcaster myself, I feel like his style is always really revolutionary. He's always at the forefront of changing his style of podcasting. For a while, he was like the first guy having a wrestling podcast. Now everyone has one. So as soon as everyone started doing interviews like he used to do, he changed up his style. So we talked about why he changed his style, what his new style of podcasting entails. We talked about one of my favorite podcasts, not episodes, I guess the whole episode's pretty good, but there's a few parts of this one particular episode with Ian, uh, when they go to Walt Disney World, we talk about that <laughs> and how funny that was and how that took place. Oh God, it's cool. great story. You got to go back and like listen to the actual thing though. It's, it's great. We also talked about Chicago, which is honestly my favorite city. I know we're from a city that like a lot of people love New Orleans and I do love New Orleans, but if I had to choose somewhere else, I would choose Chicago as my favorite place in the United States so far that I've been to. Well, here's that interview with Kelsey and Colt from uh, StarCast 2. I'm here with Colt Cabana, one of my favorite wrestlers. Not only is he a wrestler, he's good at so many other things. He can make people laugh, he's NWA national champion, and he's one of my favorite podcasters. Oh, thank you very much. Nice to be here. Uh, hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm so happy to be talking with you, and there's actually a lot of what I want to ask you. Okay. Firstly, you're no stranger to working with the NWA, but now you're NWA national champion. Talk about winning the belt and working with the company again and the direction they're going with, you know, what they're doing on their YouTube channel. I really like the storytelling. What do you feel about working with the company today? I'll let you hold that. Okay. Sorry, you want to hold that. Uh, being with the NWA is great. And uh, like you said, you, you know, you know me from my podcast and my broadcasting and some, you know, I like to do YouTube stuff and social media stuff. So uh, I love that the NWA, you know, when I was the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, they weren't like, I was doing, my podcast was as strong as it's ever been. My, you know, my impression was all over the internet and they didn't really do anything with the internet. Now that Lagana is kind of leading up this kind of new movement along with Billy Corrigan, uh, I think we are on the, kind of on the same wavelength. So uh, I'm super excited to not only uh, be the NWA national champion, but to move forward in a way that like moves wrestling forward, using the internet, using YouTube, using social media, the way I've envisioned it for so long, and not many have, and now it seems like we're all kind of catching up, I think. I think, <laughs> I think so. That was kind of heavy, man. Uh, you hold that all the time? All the time, and I got to take it through the airport and everything. Oh, man, I'm sure that, that gets checked every now and then. I, uh, yeah, every time, and they're always like, what's in your bag? And then they open up, they're like, ooh. I'm like, yeah, national champion. <laughs> Well, you talked about wavelengths, and I feel like you were one of the first people who kind of did it yourself. You were really at the forefront of making your own merch, really getting out there, uh, doing things outside of the ring to make yourself more than just a wrestler, really relatable to fans. I think somebody who's on the same wavelength, two people, the Young Bucks, they really, they've Ooh. all, the Young Bucks, Ooh. the Bucks, <laughs> they actually always attribute and give props to you for leading the way because I think you really did. But talk about them using YouTube to, to get over essentially. Being the elite was a very revolutionary thing when they started it and it just grew and grew and grew and now there's a whole new promotion because of it. Yeah. Just talk about their journey. Well, I would always have conversations with them. I would tell them like, I have this podcast, you know, and it's this commercial and everyone kind of gets to know inside of my life and you have to like consistently be in like the fans like you have to be in their in their wavelength like in their ideas and that, I was like that's why Monday Night Raw is like the you know the show might not be great but every week 
at eight o'clock, you know that they're going to be on TV, and you know, and then they like, just the idea of, of WWE is in someone's mind. So that's why like a weekly thing is so great. And I was doing the podcast, and and um, and then w when Being the Elite started kind of to break, they would always be like, "Yeah, you're right." Like we're just getting, we see the more reaction and the more emails and the people coming and the people um, uh, coming to our lines and buying merch and merch starts moving up and that's kind of how it works is um, just kind of have to be proactive about it. And so, uh, you know, it's funny. I always say that, like, I had this vision a long time ago of where I wanted to take independent wrestling and where I thought the independent wrestling fan and the connection should be. And I, I did it pretty far and I'm very proud of what I did, but... I think they had kind of the same idea, or they had they had their own idea, but at least they had a vision. A lot of people just take the bookings and just hope that people call them and book them. But you know, myself and the Bucks, we were, were were kind of different thinkers where we did want to push it forward. And I mean, they took it just so much past what I did. But um, it's cool to inspire, and um, and it's cool because I I knew I saw them. You know, I. We would be on shows and it would be like the Colt Cabana line was here and the Young Bucks line was here and they would be looking and they'd be like, and I and I would I would I, I saw that they wanted the hustle and they wanted to do it and I would give them tips and and then to just watch it go like that I'm like oh good lord and uh, I'm so proud of them I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing too and I think something else that really pushed the envelope and made a big difference. You mentioned merch. I think one of the biggest, actually. Uh, Really, the biggest thing for independent wrestlers, in my opinion, is pro wrestling tees. It's a great tool to, to help them make money and to supplement their income, not just by wrestling, but pro wrestling tees. You've got like a big stake in that company. You've got so many awesome T-shirts available. Just talk about your relationship with pro wrestling tees and how important it is for independent wrestlers. Yeah, well, it's it's not so much the idea of merch. It is the idea of. And that was the change I wanted to make, whereas in WWE, Vince McMahon, I see these people are larger than life. And I thought it was very important to say, like, independent wrestlers, we are not larger than life. We are artists. Uh, we love wrestling. Uh, we are just like any, any one of you guys, except we happen to train a lot and put a lot of time into wrestling and get good at something. You know, like, I'm good at something because I put in so many hours into wrestling. That doesn't mean I'm bigger than anybody else. I am just a normal human being. You know, Kelsey, you've put so many, you know, you're better than TV production than I am, you know, but, I, but we're just people, that's what it is. And so the idea of merch and the t-shirt is the idea of supporting the artist. And that's why the t-shirt and the merch is so important is, uh, is every time I'm at a table, I'm, se I'm selling you a t-shirt, you get to give me that money. Sometimes with these things, they have handlers, they call them, you know, and, and they're like, the superstars don't touch the money. It's like, no, I want to touch the money. Oh, I just grabbed my leg. I want to touch the money because, uh, because I want you to know that that's directly supporting me as, a, as an independent artist who's not contracted with anybody. And so um, when we started Pro Wrestling Tees, myself and One Hour Tees, when we started it, it was the idea of, not everyone can come to a show, and I've been doing this for years. I was selling t-shirts on MySpace for years, you know, like, uh, not everyone can come to a show. So I, I go to as many shows as I can. I wrestle, you know, I was just in Germany, and I was just in Alaska, and I'm all over the world. But there are places that I'm not able to hit, and there's wrestling fans there. And so uh, it's kind of like a, I kind of said it as like a, the Internet's merchandise website. And that's how I saw it. And so that's how we saw Pro Wrestling Tees, and One Hour Tees was able, you know, I, I would go into One Hour Tees all the time, 
and I would print my own shirts and I would see them printing shirts and I was like, well, we can do this for wrestlers. And that's just kind of how it worked, on demand, making shirts for wrestlers, for wrestling fans, and then able to give the money to the wrestlers. And, and the cut, the percentage of the, the wrestlers get is very high. And when, sometimes when I tell people outside of wrestling, they're like, whoa, that's, you shouldn't be doing it that high. And it's always been with the intention of making sure that the wrestler gets their cut and can supplement their income. And I know I'm rambling, but I remember Kevin Steen, when we started, he was one of the first guys to jump on. I told him to jump on, and he got very hot with Ring of Honor and the Independence. And he was working, uh, you know, at an overnight job, fulfilling like orders at like Target or something. And then he started getting all these shirts, and he was able to quit that job. And then we've kind of seen what's happened to Kevin. And so I, I you know, we think that like Pro Wrestling Tees is kind of like a catalyst and allows people to f follow their dreams a little harder. I totally agree with that. And what about this big rush of people that just came back here? I don't know. There's tons of people behind <laughs> us. But, you know, you mentioned you're great at wrestling. I'm okay. I'm pretty good at TV production. But something we have in common, we're both podcasters. I would like to say that you're actually a way po better podcaster than me, but cause you're one of my favorites. You recently changed your style of podcasting. I really like it because you used to have a totally different format. Now it's almost like an audio blog. Talk about the idea. What was the idea behind that change? Well, yeah, it is an audio blog. Um, yeah, before I would do long-term, long-form uh, conversations with uh, my friends in the world of wrestling, and essentially, um, I was doing it. Nobody was really doing it, wrestler to wrestler within the industry. And then all of a sudden, a lot of people started doing it. And then I essentially kind of probably talked to everybody that I was friends with. So um, the conversations are kind of evergreen. They're not really meant to have another conversation. I did with a couple people over the years because there was new trajectories in their stories. But for the most part, we would kind of tell their story and we'd let the world know. And that's how I liked the wrestling fans to be able to be able to connect to the wrestlers a little more. And I thought um, that was one of the mo most important things about my podcast. So um, I still wanted to do it. And, and so I always said that you know, it's kind of the wrestling road, road diaries in a in a, a podcast, and I always said that um, I was documenting the past of the wrestlers, and now this podcast is kind of documenting the current. So in ten years, it's going to be cool to listen back to what I'm doing now and be able to see about a wrestler going to Alaska or going to Germany or going to Japan and and talking about you know Ethan Page's first. He's documenting his first time ever being in Cork and Hall or in Japan, and then in 10 years when Ethan Page is, you know, a giant star, uh, or even MJF was on some of these early ones, it's going to be kind of cool to look back and see the, a, a different style of documenting. Yeah, I have loved both styles of your podcasting, but this new one's really, really fresh because nobody's doing that, really. A lot of people are just interviewing people, so I like that you changed it up. You're always at the forefront of change. I feel like you're driving the changes. I really respect that a lot. And also, because I respect you so much, would love to hear your opinion about the changing wrestling climate. Obviously, we're here at StarCast 2 because of Double or Nothing. You mentioned the Bucks and how big they've become, how they've grown. Now they've started this company, AEW. Just talk about how that's affecting the whole wrestling world. Yeah, I think it's cool. I watched the show last night. It was so cool to see all those guys. And the cool part was, is, you know, we all think of WWE as this, the leader. And this is why I enjoy being in ROH, too, is just like, there's everyone's on eggshells and everyone feels this pressure of like, oh, no, is, is the big, mighty, almighty Vince McMahon going to be happy or sad? Whereas you could tell last night in AEW, they were just, wrestling they want to they want to wrestle and there was no there's zero pressure on them from anybody else maybe onto themselves the bucks cody yeah. kenny 
they were like, we're artists, this is how we wrestle, this is how we're gonna do it. If you don't like it, I don't care. Like, this is how I wanna do it, it's, it's our company. And um, and there's a lot of that in Ring of Honor. There, there's some not of it, but there, for the most part, it's, it's a, it's a very open, free place to do what you want. And I think that's the most uh, important thing. And I think that's why, I think that will be the lead to the change, is not, it's, I gotta watch what I say here, but it's important that the, the veterans of wrestling are there to help guide, but when, they, when those veterans were, like the Bucks' age, you know, they were like, oh, these old guys are telling me what to do. I want to do what I do. And I think that's it's such a weird difference between arts and, you know, whatever else there is out there. And, and, and you know, an artist prime is it's it is that like from 10 to 15 years, you know, in doing something. And sometimes when it's too many years, it's time to to move on a little bit. So uh, it's always weird when older people are telling the young artists how to do it. and. Uh, I think that's the idea is that hopefully nobody's telling them what to do. They're doing what they want. They can be, you know, you always want to take advice, but you always want to do what's what's in your heart and what you think is the best stuff to put out. And I, I think that's the movement moving forward. I think AEW is doing a great job of getting the right people that feel that way. I totally agree. I like what they're doing. Much of, you know, much like what you're doing, it's really fresh and different. I like that a lot. You mentioned Ring of Honor, and I love Ring of Honor. It's one of my favorite promotions, and I it always will be. I appreciate you for that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, one of the things I love is you and Ian. You've got great chemistry on commentary. So not only do you do all these other things, podcasting, wrestling, but you're a commentator, too. And you and him just mesh together so well. What do you think about working with him? Yeah, Ian is... Uh it's he's my straight man you know like uh and we just have a, a fun chemistry i think it's because ian's like an old soul uh and so that like comes across great and i think it's great for wrestling his like gordon solely like throwback but he's you know seven years younger than me so um, so I'm like maybe like this weird uncle to him but also I'm I'm the goof off he's kind of keeping me in check sometimes so uh, and we and we have a lot of like the same weird cultural references and it comes across obviously on pay-per-view and on TV uh, we're always joking back and forth just trying to make each other laugh sometimes and and that's always kind of the best stuff is when uh, and that's how being the elite started. You know, that's what that was, is those guys making each other laugh. And that's what Ian and I do. We make each other laugh. And if that comes across naturally, you know, it makes others laugh. And I, I think that's probably why people enjoy us together is uh, we're just, I mean, we're taking it very seriously. But we also know to have fun and kind of be goofballs that we are. So I love your rap references, but I also love Ian's Nickelodeon references sure. as well because I'm a 90s kid. But um, I, I will never forget, it's an older podcast you did. I mean, like, I guess maybe a year ago. I think you and Ian went to Walt Disney World or something, and he's, like, screaming. It's, like, one of the best. I can't remember exactly what unfolded, but that was one of my favorites that you ever did. We went on um, Space Mountain, and for some reason I was like, he oh, he did this, like, I don't want to say girlish yell, but he did a high-pitched yell, and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't record that. And then I was like, wait, there's going to be more. So then I like snuck on my recorder and didn't tell him. And then he, of course, on another dip, he just yelled out this screech, very high-pitched screech. And I was like, oh, that is, 
great radio. That is unbelievable. And that also sums up Ian, too. Like, just summed him up as a human being. And he was so excited to be there. And, like, the squeal was just like the icing on the cake. If people haven't heard it, you got to go back and check it out. It's really one of my favorite things you've ever captured. It made me cry laugh. It was wonderful. <laughs> but I hate to put you on the spot from talking about something that was so positive. To, do you think AEW is... Uh, kind of like a threat for Ring of Honor. Like, what do you think about the relationship? Well, I, I just don't think they have to think about it. Ring of Honor has a TV show that's on every week, uh, and that's kind of the bread and butter. And then, you know, of course, the touring and everything. You know, I was there with Ring of Honor when TNA started taking Samoa Joe and Homicide, and uh, they even tried to take Roderick and Austin Aries. And so I've been through all of these phases with Ring of Honor for the most part. And uh, what's important is to uh, keep your eye on the prize, put out the great matches, uh, and they're signing great wrestlers. Uh, two of my favorites, uh, Jonathan Gresham and Mark Haskins. You know, these are our new guys who really, I think, hold like the heart of Ring of Honor. These are two guys who would have been in Ring of Honor in 2002 or three when I was there with them. Uh, you know, if, if they were as good as they were then, you know, they would have been in there with, with, with Nigel and Drag and, and, and everybody else. So uh, I think they're, they're picking some good guys. And when those guys move on to something else, you know, hopefully they grab uh, the other good guys that are out there. And that's kind of the heart and soul behind Ring of Honor. So I think they'll be all right. I think they'll be all right, too, because Ring of Honor has always bounced back from losses. When they lose people, they gain really unique, awesome new talents. Like Bandito is somebody I think is a great addition to the roster. PCO's on fire. Yes, he's, he's older, but he's over as hell. I mean, heck, I love seeing him get those crazy insane pops lately on every show he's on uh, and really just good additions all around i'm not worried for ring of honor yeah yeah bco right you think like well how long can he do this but he's doing he keeps on doing it he keeps on being amazing yeah uh, uh roosh is also unbelievable uh so there's a lot of strong wrestlers i'm not too worried yeah i i just love what you guys do in ring of honor it's it's amazing um and again i know i keep like <laughs> giving you a lot of compliments, but they're all so warranted. <laughs> but something that is kind of related to you, I'm going to give a compliment to your hometown, Chicago. I'm a big Chicago fan. I had never been there before All In. Since All In, I've actually been back two more times, so a total of three times in like less than a year. I've fallen in love with the, with the city. It's really amazing. What makes Chicago so special? Uh, well, I think the most important answer to that is uh, this billboard all over the town. Did you see, see a billboard of mine or no? It's like that's when you know you're in Chicago is when you see that billboard. I did right by the breakfast place. Perfect. By the airport. Perfect. One hour tease billboard. I've been on those billboards for about seven or eight years now. I used to be a cartoon. Uh, now I'm a human being. I'm like the Pinocchio of the billboard business. And uh, uh, for me, Chicago, it's just always been my heart. It's always been my soul. It's always been my home. You know, I, I signed with WWE and they made me move to Louisville. They made me move to Tampa. And the second I got fired, uh, well, the first thing I did was go to PWG and wrestle, and then uh, right when I got home, I moved and I drove right back to Chicago because that's where I wanted to be. Uh, there's something about Midwest. I've traveled all over the world, and uh, there's something about just Midwest hospitality and sweetness, and uh, I feel uh, anyone from the Midwest is just a little more real uh, than some of those uh, West Coasters and East Coasters, and, um, uh, and I like being around those people. And uh, also, it's just got a... Um, it's a city full of uh, just a, a lot. There's so much history behind everything. Um, the art, the culture, the food. Uh, I love it. I mean, even the architecture and the wrestling fans. Like, they're so intense. Oh, yeah, they love cool. wrestling so much. 
Them too, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, that works. So wrapping up, uh, anything you got going on that you want to plug? Anything coming down the pipeline? Uh, well, if you have anybody watching from uh, Edinburgh, Scotland or uh, Europe, I do the Edinburgh Fringe Festival every single August. August 2nd to the 26th, every single night at 11 p.m. Me and John Hastings, we do comedy and commentary to bad wrestling matches, uh, and that is one of the highlights of my year every year. I uh, just go to Scotland. I'm there, you know, I travel so much. I stay there, and I don't move, and everything happens within one. It's kind of like the star cast of the comedy world, where there's all just, everything is just within one little, like mile of everything, and so uh, please uh, come see me out there. Otherwise, the podcast is the Art of Wrestling on iTunes every single week, and um, you know Marty and I are going to start a, a new web series pretty soon, hopefully, and uh, do some some comedy stuff on my YouTube channel. So if you're watching this on YouTube, I also have a YouTube channel. Uh, uh, Kelsey here has put the link in a card right here, so you will <laughs> click right here, and that's where you can go to my YouTube channel. You got to do it now. Yeah, I got to do it. Well done, Colt. Well done. And finally, your favorite wrestling moment from this year? From this year? Well, I've had a lot. Uh, I just went to Alaska, which I had never been to. And I wrestled in Madison Square Garden with the crowd chanting my name. Um, New Japan Cup I was in. Yeah, I'm going to have to say, you know, I was going to say randomly going on a tour of China with three day, three hours notice, which I documented on my podcast, but I, I will, I think I will back up and say the match I had with Yano and the New Japan Cup um, was maybe like my greatest SNL skit. Uh, it, I, I just get happy thinking about it right now, and I, I've I've showed the match to like my com like comedian friends, and um, as I, I love being a wrestler, but I also love being a comedian, and so. Uh, I really think that like that's it's it really represents everything about pro wrestling, but it also represents everything about comedy. Uh, just happens to be in a wrestling stage, uh, a wrestling ring. So the match with Yano, I think, from New Japan is probably one of my favorite matches ever, not just this year. I think it's one of my favorites too. It was in my top five for the New Japan Cup, and it's literally it's wrestling comedy done to perfection so i enjoyed it very much and i enjoyed talking with you right now we're not in his studio apartment we are at starcast but i appreciate you taking the time here today great being here and i'm glad i could finally get on your show <laughs> thank you so much so i really want to thank colt again it meant so much to me that we had that conversation I want to plug some of his stuff i know we did that in the interview but colt deserves a second plugging. So, <laughs> at Colt Cabana on Twitter, search for Colt Cabana on YouTube and subscribe to his YouTube channel. There's a lot of great content on there, plus his audio stuff on there too. His podcast is called The Art of Wrestling. I highly recommend it because, like I said, he's always at the front of any podcasting change. Was interviewing wrestlers for a while before most other people did. Changed it up once everyone started doing that, and basically it became like an audio blog, essentially, which I really love that style. I think it's unique. I think it's something in 10 years people will go back and be like, wow, this is what was happening in Colt's life at this point. This is the people he interacted with on this day. I just think it's unique. And I can't think of him enough. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a great commentator. I think he's a great podcaster. I've been hyping him up the whole interview, but he deserves it. Yes, he does. And he's a Midwest guy. And as we close out the show and send them home... We 
uh, are going to talk about another Midwest team that uh, vanquished our guys. Congratulations to the St. Louis Blues and their fans. Uh, obviously, well-deserved. I have said numerous times if they were playing anybody but the Bruins, I would have actually rooted for the St. Louis Blues. It was a great story. I've got no problem. I'm actually a classy Boston fan. I'm not yeah. I'm not a mass hole, as, uh, as many of the Bostonians are. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm repping them again today. You know, I'm proud of the season they had. Uh, it was a disappointing ending for sure. Uh, I know I've had some back and forth. You've had some back and forth with with fans on Twitter giving me grief about wearing the Bruins stuff. Yeah. Uh, some people are pro-Bruin stuff. They are. They are. Uh, our, our good friend Aaron yeah. uh, was all, all supportive of the Bruins. But uh, disappointing ending for the Bruins. For sure. I was bummed, of course, a longtime Bruins fan, but I, I could accept it a little better yeah. because I saw them in my lifetime in 2011 win the Stanley Cup, which, which I never thought they would. And so I, I, I didn't take it as hard. I was bummed. Uh, because, you know, especially that first period, if you watch the game, which, by the way, we were talking about ratings being down, that was the most watched hockey game ever. Yeah. So pretty impressive uh, there. If you watch the game, if you watch the first period, the Bruins completely dominated. But they couldn't make anything happen. It reminded me a lot of Game 5. A lot of people have said the same thing yeah. as well. And so, you know, the Blues get the one goal, and I already felt like, uh-oh, we're in trouble here. And yeah. then they get the second one at the end of the period. And I basically thought the Bruins were done after the first period. Now, if they had gotten an early goal in the second, things could have changed. But, but as soon as the second went by and no scoring, I was like, oh, this is over. But I was already negative <laughs> from, like, the first period. So Well, I blame your cousin Jordan because we invited him over to yeah. watch, and he he ruined all the mojo. I don't know. <laughs> Aww. We had fun with Jordan, but, yeah, it was it was all Jordan's fault. I got to all... admit, he was the only thing. We, we ordered the same food. We wore the same clothes. Well, we also blame our buddy Brendan because he, he both times he said he was going to hang out with us, and he didn't show up. They lost. Of course, his his counter yesterday, well, what was the excuse for the other two games they lost in the series? I don't know. Whatever. Which is a good there's, point. there's another excuse for that. Anyways, somehow. I was bummed, uh, but in the past, I probably would have been in a funk for a couple days. Yeah. Uh, I I was okay after that, but uh, you, really, this was the first time you delved in as a true sports fan to something, and... I cried. <laughs> yeah. I cried, and I was sad all night. I cried a lot. I was crying about, I really wanted Tukaras to have a championship because everyone's always like, he's not an elite goalie and all this stuff. And I was like, no. <laughs> so the whole funny thing is I told Paul after the game, I was like, is this what sports is? Is this what liking sports is? And she said this, of course, crying. Yeah. So I, I was pretty bummed out. Is this out. what sports is? You get your heart ripped out. Yeah. Like your soul crushed. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yes, it is. So this is the only sport that I really care about, hockey. I really got into it this year. I got into it a little bit last year, but I think this year I've been more into it than ever. I understand it a lot more, and uh, I know a lot of the Bruins players. So I'm attached to them. Like, a good wrestling match, I'm invested we went in the these Winter guys. Classic. Yes, the Winter Classic was incredible. One of the best experiences of my life. One of my favorite trips I've ever taken, our trip to Chicago mm -hmm. and uh, the surrounding area, of course, because it wasn't actually in Chicago. Right. It was at Notre Dame, and it was just a cool atmosphere. Incredible to see them win. And I feel like that's when their season picked up and like the momentum really got going for the Bruins. So I'm proud of their season, too, just like you said. Like, super proud. Uh, I'm proud of Tukarask. I really wanted him to win. 
I really, specifically, I wanted him to get that win. And my other favorite, Marshawn. Right. And everyone's making fun of him because well, he cried. <laughs> well, it's funny that you like Marshawn because you're like Hill Kelsey now, and he is. The, He's a heel. He is the heel of Nas- the National Hockey League right so now. So people were making fun of him crying, and I also cried. Hill <laughs> Kelsey cried, and Hill Marshawn cried. Well, you asked, is this what sports is like? And there's a there's a uh, a quote that is related to sports that losing hurts far more than winning feels good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I I like that quote. I yeah. think that's very true. I think but, I think losses are definitely more painful sometimes than the wins are joyous. I saw people putting up that picture of Marsha and crying as their wallpaper and like laughing and stuff like like that's mean. <laughs> I know he's a pest and like if he's not on your team you hate him. That's the type of guy he is. That's the type of player he is. But he's my favorite and I can't wait to get my jersey. Because, like, this whole year I was supposed to go to 30 games. My whole goal was to go to 30 hockey games. Which was unreal. For my 30th, you know, year of being alive. But it didn't happen. I went to, like, how many did I go to? Like, 9 or 10? Something like that, yeah. So I failed miserably, but my whole goal was... That's pretty good since January. Considering our closest hockey team is a minor league team in Pensacola three hours away. So My whole goal was to, like, earn my jersey. Like, I wanted to buy, like, a kind of expensive jersey. And, you know, I think I'm going to get a Martian jersey. I'm sure you are. So, that, that's my boy. I don't care if he cried. I think it just shows that he cares. You know what? It, he shows he cares, he's invested, and he's awesome because he's a heel. And he gives the other teams hell because he cares about his team so much. So, that's why I love him. He's always going, you know hardcore 100% for his boys, and he's my boy because of that. Well, Marshan would be great in wrestling because he's certainly a heel and uh, definitely would get a crowd reaction one way or the other, just like he's loved in Boston and hated everywhere else. Yeah, but for now, you know, I like the Bruins. I love the Bruins, actually, and I like liking hockey, but for now, we have a little break, unfortunately. Hockey's gone. I think training camp starts, like, next week. That's how long the season is. I, I I really, I don't want to wait a couple months to see hockey again. But the only good thing is I don't have to cry because they lose. I'll just be watching wrestling, which, of course, is a fixed outcome. Sometimes I'll get bummed, but I don't usually cry over who wins and who loses. So at least for a few months, I don't have to have my heart broken yep, so, until next year. So we got a few months till hockey uh gets going again but one thing that never stops going is wrestling and we're going to be here every week to talk to you about it next week we can uh look ahead uh there's ring of honor pay-per-view coming up uh, in a couple weeks and uh of course we got wwe pay-per-view coming up stomping grounds so yeah there's an aew show coming up as well which we'll be talking about in a few weeks very very soon yep so uh and g1's around the corner you know First show in Dallas, three weeks away. So We'll we'll give you first-hand experience from Dallas. So lots of good stuff still coming on uh, Two-Face Wrestling Talk, and we we are always happy that you join us. Yep, we are. We're happy that you take your time to spend it with us. We know that your time is valuable. But until next time, that's all we have for today. That's it for us. That's the finish. (laughs) 